This morning we read from Acts 3, 11 to 19. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running out to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent, then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Thank you, David. Good morning. Let me share with you again that final verse that David just read, 3, verse 19. It's really what I want to center on this morning. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. Man, that's good news. And that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Josh Kramer and I led a, uh, a group to Israel several years ago. And we spent a bunch of time in Galilee, which was beautiful. That's where Jesus spent a lot of his time. And, and then from Galilee, we went all the way south uh, to the Dead Sea. It's really hot at the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is uh, a place where none of the water flows out of it. So it's just it's full of salt and it's dead. There's nothing that, that lives in the Dead Sea. And we showed up in the evening time and it was hot. And we all decided as a group, hey, let's go, let's go run and, and jump, into the, jump into the Dead Sea. And uh, we tried to have some baptisms there. It didn't work very well. They kept bobbing up uh, out of the salt. People were screaming that their eyes were in pain. I don't know. But a wonderful time there. And then from the Dead Sea, the next morning we got up super early because, again, it's hot in this part of the country. And then we went to Masada, that great palace of Herod a place that, that uh, was built up and the zealots gathered there, one final stand against the Roman oppression. And Rome started to build a ramp and they were able to finally get up to the place where they were going to kill all the Jewish zealots that were there. And they took their own lives before they could. But as you stand up at the palace and you look all around you, all it is is desert. And it's just hot. And you're longing the whole time to, to just be refreshed. And then so from there, from Masada, we went over to this place called Angedi. 
in the original language, the crags of the goats. It's the place, it's the place where David hid out when Saul was trying to take his life. But one of the things that you learn about En Gedi, in the middle of the desert, it is an oasis. It's an oasis. And a place in the Psalms where David cries out from En Gedi, giving God just praise and, and thanking God that he's his refuge. So we decided we are hot and we need to be refreshed. So we're going to go to the waterfalls and to the pools of En Gedi. And so Josh and I and a bunch of others, we climbed all these stairs again, gathering up dust that was already all over us. And we get to this, this plateau, and, and then you see it kind of bust out through some of these palm branches. You see the waterfall. And we, we got our swim trunks on, and right away, we, just went, we jumped into the pools. And then Josh and I stood side by side as this, as this waterfall just poured over us, washing off all the dirt refreshing us. They took hundreds of photos. We actually have a calendar out if you guys uh, want that. It's only a buck ninety-nine right now. It's, it's kind of outdated. But there we were in the middle of the desert, hot, longing to be refreshed. And we finally got to this place, again, where King David was. And we were refreshed by the Lord. And we were refreshed by just the... the like his love, like a waterfall, just pouring over us. Repent, turn back, so that your sins may be blotted out and that you may be refreshed in the presence of the Lord. So the question for us this morning is how do we receive that refreshing from the Lord? And that blessing, actually later on in the chapter, he talks about this blessing given of the Lord. How do we receive that? We are walking in the desert, many of us, and we long for it. And the other question for us this morning is how can we give out that refreshment and that blessing that we have received from the Lord so that those who are walking in the desert, those who are lost, those who are covered with sin can be washed clean and refreshed. Let's pray for that this morning, shall we? Father, I thank you for your good word. It's living and active, and I pray that you will minister to us through your Holy Spirit. Father, forgive us our sin. We long to be refreshed by you. We are so thankful that you blot out our sin. And Father, we want to live for you. We want to live as the church. We want to be your hands and feet. We want to bring the refreshing that we have received from you, and we want to bring it to those wandering in the desert. Empower us by your Holy Spirit to do so. In your precious name, amen. Hey, well, let me just remind you a little bit of where we've been in Acts. This is one of my favorite books, and, and it, it's all about the beginning of the church, and, and the Lord is establishing His church to go and, and live out the life of Christ, the continuing acts of Jesus through His saints, through the apostles, through us, and we continue on. The church was birthed. Jesus went to be with the Father, sat at His right hand. He says, I want you to wait here because I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. At Pentecost, Holy Spirit comes powerfully upon the apostles, upon all those who were in Jerusalem as they heard Peter speak 
about who Jesus was as he brought out all the, the history of the prophets, all of this leading up to this moment. And the scriptures remind us, and they were pierced to the core, and 3,000 were added to their number that day. All of a sudden, the church began, and then they're going, well, amazing. We're baptized in the Lord. We have received the Holy Spirit. What do we do now? And so the scriptures remind us that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the Word of God. They devoted themselves to koinonia, the fellowship. That means life together. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, which was the idea of communion and forgiveness and and really coming before the Lord, so thankful, remembering the cross. We have received His forgiveness, and now we offer that. And they devoted themselves to the prayers, which really is to worship. They were able to come right into the presence of the living God. There was no longer a curtain. It was no longer just the priests. We could come right in the presence of God. And they committed themselves to one another. There was no one who had need. They took care of each other's needs. Made sure everybody had food and what they needed to make it through the day. And they were committed to their witness. Christ has done an amazing thing for us. He's changed our lives forever. He's pierced our hearts. We're a new creation in Christ. He has forgiven us our sins, and we are now children of God as we've received Him. Then we see in chapter 3, in the beginning, as they're learning to be the church, they actually start to go and live this out. And so Peter and John are going out, and they're, they're going to the prayers at the temple. And there's the crippled man at Beautiful Gate. They're going, making disciples along the way. You see, the church was never meant just to stay here in this building, was it? The church is meant to go out and share the love of God. Share about who Jesus is, His life, His death, His resurrection. And so they go out empowered by the Holy Spirit, and in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, they grab a hold of this crippled man, crippled from birth, and say, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. And he is healed completely. He's whole. Not just physically, but his soul. By faith, he turns to Christ. And he is given over, and he reaches out for the hand of Peter, which is really the hand of Jesus, and says, yes. Everybody's amazed. Everybody knows This guy has been at the gate ever since he was a child. Sat there and and placed there as a beggar. All the people are amazed and they want to find out what's it all about. They long, really, for the refreshing that this crippled beggar received from Jesus. They long for that. Refreshing. That word in the Scriptures has the idea of rest. Not only just physical rest, but rest for our soul. It has the idea of relief. It has the idea of of cool in the middle of the heat. As we're in the desert, we are refreshed. You see, the crippled man at Beautiful Gate was refreshed in Jesus because he received living water that day. He'll never thirst again. 
It's the offer to each and every one of us. And it's the offer we should be making to the world who's looking for that refreshing. The people in Jerusalem were longing to be healed. They didn't know it was for their soul. They were longing somehow to be refreshed. They were under a heavy burden all of their lives. And so Peter takes this opportunity in Acts 3 to to give another great sermon. He did it at Pentecost. And he does it now again. To, To take this opportunity, this is all about what's going on. This is why this layman was healed. Let me tell you how you can receive this refreshing and this restoration and this renewal. I want to show you what it's all about. And it says in the Scriptures in verse 11, he clung, the crippled man clung to Peter and John. He's he's holding on to to them. Has the idea of actually kind of being arrested and you're you're placed in, in chains together. He was chained on. He was clinging to. You go, why was he doing that? I think, I think he's blown away by what just happened to him. I think he's probably a little bit afraid, like, wh- what just took place? And I think he's now going, now what? I don't know how, I don't know how to live life now in this. Now what? He's holding on to him. You know the one thing I love about that image of, of holding on to, to Peter and John there? Is it, it should be what the body is together. We don't do life. We're not meant to do life, this Christian life, solo. We really need each other, and we need to cling on to each other. Let's help each other walk this Christian life. And he holds on. The people are utterly astounded, and it says they ran over together to the portico, Solomon's colonnade. That they were astounded, they were in awe. They were in wonder, amazement. Actually, they were a little bit terrified. They wanted to understand the power that was taking place. I love that the Scriptures say they ran after them. They, they ran to the place. I kind of envisioned the, the crippled man as he was healed completely and his physical body was healed. I, I feel like the Lord maybe gave him some speed. And so he takes off, leaping and running, and and they're just trying to catch up to the crippled beggar who now can run and leap. And so they come to this place, gather around. What is this all about? And Peter takes time to speak to it, to offer refreshment. One of the first things I want you to see is that refreshment comes as we open our eyes and our hearts to who Jesus really is. Refreshment comes as we open our eyes and our hearts to who Jesus of Nazareth really is. And Peter, when he addressed the people, he says this, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power and piety we have made him walk? Peter powerfully yet lovingly shares the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. From all of the history of the prophets before, speaking about Him, He speaks lovingly, powerfully. you got to have both. Truth and grace. And He brings it to the table. Men of Israel, I know all about you. You've been a people in the desert. 
I know you've been longing to be restored, refreshed. You as Jewish people, you've been in captivity. You've been exiled. Your fathers have wandered in the desert. You're presently under Roman rule. Peter knows his audience. Men of Israel, listen to me. Listen to me. I know you long to be refreshed like this formerly crippled man who is before you. But don't look at our power. Peter's saying that. Don't look at us. This is the same guy who a while before was arguing with the, with the disciples, hey, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? And now he's saying, it's not anything about me. Don't you love how the Lord changes our hearts? Don't you love how the Lord humbles us? Peter, who was full of himself for quite a while, became this beautiful, humble servant. That's what he does in us as we learn to follow Jesus, as we let him change our hearts. Hey, it's not about me. And quite frankly, the other thing he does is he doesn't point to the miracle. He doesn't spend a bunch of time talking about, wow, look at the power. you got to get more of this power. Look at it. We have a lot of churches today that focus just on the power, on the healing, and not on the healer. But Peter focuses directly on Jesus. Not about me, not even about this miracle. Let me tell you about Jesus. If you want to know where the power came from, it's all him. Jesus of Nazareth. You need to open your eyes to who he is. You need to understand what he's all about. Verse 13. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant. That's Jesus. And then verse 18 says, what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. You see, this has all been planned out. This Jesus who was before you is the promised Messiah that you've been waiting for, but you rejected him. Let me tell you what's going on here. The healing has come from this Jesus of Nazareth. And he speaks of the God of Abraham and Isaac. What's he doing there? Let me share with you Exodus 3, 6. Moses on Mount Sinai. Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And then God says this, I am the God of your father, the God of, your, of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. Peter just said this, didn't he? And Moses hid his face and he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord God said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and I have heard their cry. What Peter is doing when he's addressing the crowd is he's bringing them right down back to Egypt to remember the God of their fathers who delivered them out of Egypt, to bring them back to that place. Do you remember the God who keeps his promises? The men of Israel, the Jews there, they know their scriptures. And he knew exactly what they were thinking about as he brought forth that language. I want you to understand who this God is and who this Jesus is. You see, God is fulfilling His promises that a Messiah would come. 
And it would look like this. He would suffer. But he would live. He would die on the cross. He would rise again. Here it is. He brings Exodus language. He delivered you. He delivered your people. He kept his promise. He gave freedom to his people. He gave restoration. And guess what? People in front of me, open your eyes. Open your hearts. Because it's happening again. God has glorified his servant. That language would have taken him to Isaiah 53. The suffering servant. Refreshing comes as we open our eyes and our hearts to who Jesus really is. Son of God, promised Messiah. Do you see him? Refreshing comes as we recognize our sin. When Peter, when Peter gives this sermon, man, he is not trying to win friends and influence people. He is not shying away from speaking the truth about sin. You know, we struggle with that, right? Because we don't want to offend anybody. But we have to talk about sin. It's part of the whole message of the gospel. It's why we need a Savior. It's not buddy Jesus, just full of all kinds of love, and and let's just all have fluffy boyfriend relationship. I mean, honestly, you know, some of these these statements is like, like he's our boyfriend. It's like, no, no, God of the universe lover of our souls, who had to die for our sin. There's nothing fluffy about it. You have to address and deal with your sin. Because when you do, then refreshing can come. And so he speaks directly. He says, you, in verse 13, you delivered him over. You denied him. You disowned him. You, verse 14, denied the Holy One The righteous one. That's God language. Only God was called the Holy One. Very clear statement. He is deity. He is Son of God. He is God in the flesh. You denied Him. Verse 15, you killed the author of life. That's oxymoronic, isn't it? You killed the author of life, the Prince of Life. You denied the giver of life and you asked for the one who was the taker of life, Barabbas. You, 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 you have done this. You have sinned against God. But here comes the good news. Here comes the good news that's offered to all of us. And at this time, at Solomon's colonnade, offered to the men of Israel to the Jewish people. You have sinned, but guess what? God's had a plan from the beginning of time to deal with our sin. But God raised Him from the dead. Resurrection. He didn't stay on that cross. He didn't stay in the tomb. God raised Him from the dead. This is the good news, people. This is what we must proclaim and speak about and give testimony to. It's refreshing to our souls. It heals us. You have done all this. You thought, you thought you could put the author of life to death. Are you kidding me? Jesus has been raised from the dead, and we are witnesses to such things. And you know what? Those of you who are followers of Christ, you are witnesses to such things because He's changed your life. 
with the resurrection power of Christ. Let's go proclaim it, what he's done for us. God has raised him from the dead. In him, John 1 says, was life, and that life was the light of men. You can't kill that. John 5 says this, Are you unwilling to come to me that you may have life here? You can't kill the author of life. I am life. And I offer it to you. I offered it to this crippled beggar at Beautiful Gate who you see right in front of you who received that life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me, John fourteen six. That crippled beggar extended his hand, and the scriptures say in verse 16, and by faith, by faith in the name of Jesus, by faith, which actually is a gift to that man, it's a gift from God to us that we may believe. By faith, I extended it and I said, yes, I receive your forgiveness. I receive your life. Why was the crippled man made whole that day? Because he placed his faith in the name and the power of Jesus to accomplish in him what he could not do for himself. We cannot heal ourselves. We cannot do enough good to get to God. By faith, we say, God, I need life. I surrender unto you. And by faith, he did. And he accepted the Lord And the lame man found acceptance before loving God based on his faith in Jesus Christ. And now, brothers, verse 17, I know you acted out of ignorance, as did also the rulers, but really there's no more excuses, is what he's saying. Because God, your God, our God, has spoken through the prophets. He must suffer these things. Even though you have greatly sinned against the Lord, here's what's true about loving God. He longs for a relationship with you. He's still reaching out his hand to you. You Jews who put him on the cross, who we put on the cross. God longs for a relationship with you. I extend my hand. Restoration and healing and renewal and refreshment can only be found in Jesus. Period. Will you receive him? The man was made completely whole. Not just physically. Not just physically. Spiritually. Which is more important to God. Times of refreshing come when we open our eyes and our hearts to who Jesus really is. Times of refreshing come under that waterfall poured out when we recognize our sin. Times of refreshing come Our key verse, when we repent and when we turn back. Repent, repent, repent. It's a changing of our mind that now starts to agree with God. It's saying, you know what, God, your ways are right and true. I will change my mind, my thinking, and agree with you that your ways are good. Your way of life and salvation, it's true. I want my thinking to be in line with you. Repent, repent, and refreshing comes. Turn back. That means reject the old way. Stop doing what you've been doing. 
receive this new life empowered by the Holy Spirit to help you turn back. You've been walking this way. Stop walking this way. Agree with God that this way is the way that is right and true to the woman caught in adultery. And Jesus is writing in the sand. Neither do I condemn you. But what does he say to her? But go and sin no more. Stop stop living this lifestyle. It's nothing but death. And I have for you over here life and refreshing for your soul and renewal. Become a child of God. And he's offering that to the Israelites that day. He offers it to all of us. Receive it. But we receive it only when we repent and when we turn back. He says, it comes. It's poured out on you. Call upon the name of Jesus and you shall be saved. Let's stop living in our sin. You know, Pete Rose, Pete Rose, great baseball player, when he was, when he was manager for the Reds, he finally confessed that he was gambling on his team. He was betting on his team. Fifteen years after the fact. He had this lifestyle, I'm just going to rip people off and, and I'm going to get money any way I can. And so finally he confessed and he hasn't stopped confessing. What he ended up doing is he ended up taking these baseballs and he would write, I'm sorry, on the baseballs. And he would sign it, Pete, Pete Rose. And then he put it on his website and you can get an I'm sorry, Pete Rose baseball for $299. Plus four ninety five shipping fee. I'm sorry that I've ripped people off and that I'm nothing about money, but buy my baseball. No change. It's changing your heart. It's stop, stop living in this lifestyle where you're just ripping people off. Where you're just doing anything to gain money. Don't live there anymore. Receive me, receive my refreshing, and let me help you walk in righteousness beautiful truth when we repent. And look what it says, and your sins will be blotted out. Listen to Isaiah 43. God speaking, I am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and I will not remember your sins. It's, it's, like, the, it's like a chalkboard. You're writing all these accusations against you on the chalkboard. They've been written. And God says, no, no, I, I take a cloth and I, I wipe it clean. It's a clean slate. My friend Rich said, well, in today's vernacular, it's, it's a hard drive that's been totally deleted. It's been wiped out. That's refreshing. Our sins weigh heavy on us. The people who showed up going, where's this power coming from? They were heavy with sin. And the truth is, they longed to be refreshed. You have to remember that. People are longing for truth. They're seeing your life. They're observing you. And they're like, where are you getting that hope? Where are you getting that joy? Where is it coming from? We long for this. Because they're living in the desert. You've got to know that. And you've got to show them and tell them about Jesus. Let me read the final section of, this, of the Scriptures. Repent, therefore, turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. We're drawn right in there. 
and that He may send the Christ appointed for you. You see, Jesus of Nazareth is the one that you've been waiting for. It's been foretold. It's Jesus. Heaven must receive until the time of restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets long ago. You see, Jesus right now is at the right hand of the Father, but guess what? He's coming back. And He's going to restore all things. But as Peter's speaking to the people in Solomon's colonnade, he's like, hey, this is who Jesus is. He's the one. Receive Him. Repent so that you can receive the Christ. And guess what? He's going to come back. Not only can you live in restored, refreshed, renewed life now, but now we live in the hope and the the true expectation, the anticipation of God's full restoration of everything. It's the promised land that's complete. All of Revelation that we studied this summer. Guess what? There is a King of Kings. There's going to be new heaven and new earth. He is victorious. It's coming. But it's in Jesus of Nazareth. So turn to Him. It's been foretold from the beginning of time. They've spoken about these things from Samuel all the way through. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your forefathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up His servant, sent him... This is beautiful. Verse 26. God, having raised up His servant, Jesus, sent him to you first. Why? To bless you. And to turn every one of you from your wickedness. Do you see God's... Hey, you're the one who put him on the cross. You're the one who rejected him, denied him. But you are, you are heirs. You are children. You are children of the Lord. You see, he's a covenant God. He keeps his promises. The Messiah has come. And it's my son, Jesus. And to this day, right this very moment, receive his refreshing like this crippled man has. But it's only found in Jesus. Well, how can we offer refreshing and blessing to those who long for it? What does that look like for us? One of the things I want to encourage you in as a body of Christ is that we're learning to listen to the Holy Spirit, that we don't shy away from opportunities where the Spirit is prompting us to step into people's lives. Because the truth is, they're in the desert and they want to know they want to hear. They want, they want to understand. When the Spirit is prompting you, when He's giving you opportunity, proclaim who Jesus is. I had a friend who went with me to Indonesia many years ago, and we were going over to do ministry in Indonesia with the Armstrongs. And while we're on the plane, the flight attendant asked, well, what are you guys doing? And he goes, oh, we're just, we're just going over to hang out with some teenage kids and do a camp. That's all he said. I took my friend to the side. I said, brother, you missed a huge opportunity to proclaim the wonderful things of Jesus, to really share what we were really doing. Were you ashamed? Were you embarrassed? Don't be ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of salvation, of, of, of renewal, of refreshing for everyone who believes 
when the Holy Spirit is prompting you to step in, speak about Jesus. I think we also need to look for opportunities to invite and to share life with those who don't know Jesus. Basically, have unbelieving friends. What's that look like for you right now? Surveys have been done all across the nation. And they say, they say one out of every five people in America say they don't know, they don't know any believers. They don't know any Christians. That's, that's more than 15 million people who don't know any Christians. Let's, let's have friends who don't know Jesus. And let's just talk to them and let's share life together. My father always does this as he's making friends with those who don't know Jesus. He says, so are you a Christian or are you in the process of becoming one? I think that's a great question. And you know what he finds? And I find it too because I've asked the same thing. People often are saying, you know what, I'm in process. I'm honestly trying to figure it out. Do you know why? Because they feel the weight of sin. Because they're in the desert. Because they're hopeless. And they're looking for life. So let's bring that to them. And then the last thing I want to share with you. How do we do this? Are we going to be like Peter? Well, listen, repent. Come on, get it together. Is this how we're going to bring the gospel? That was a unique moment. And it was, he needed to do it. But I think for us to to bring what's happening, what's this power that you're experiencing, what are you seeing? It's just it's starting by just saying, you know what? I'm a broken, crippled person that God got a hold of. Let me share my story. I'm just a hungry beggar showing you where I found food. Let me share my story. And let them do that. And let us be a people who bring refreshment and blessing and life to those who are in the desert. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that right now that you would pour that out upon us, that you would pour out your refreshing, and Father, that you would stir us up to bring it to a world who's in the desert. We long to stand under the waterfall of your love that is just pouring upon us, to be forgiven our sins, blotted out, thank you, Jesus, and to live life in you. And by the power of of your resurrection. We thank you for your life and your death and your resurrection. May we proclaim it, Father. We love you, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen.